Hi, I'm Lenise Brothers, a registered nutritionist, women's health, hormone, and menstrual cycle coach, and the founder of Eat Love Move, a nutrition and well being practice. This is the Period Story Podcast, where in each episode, I sit down with a guest to talk about their period story. We get behind some of the myths and misconceptions about periods and so much more. Now, on to today's guest. On today's episode, we have Maria Purcell. Maria is a commercial business leader with extensive experience of strategy, growth, advertising, sales, and marketing. She is committed to challenging traditional business models and ways of thinking and to helping customers find the solutions that work for them. As a dedicated mother of two, Maria was recently recognized as one of the top 50 sales leaders in the UK and is the founder of The Hood, who recently launched their teen wellness journal, Girlhood, The Story. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. So let's get into the question that I start each episode off with. Can you tell me the story of your first period? Yeah, um, so my first period, I had my first period when I was 11. um, And it was a pretty much a non-event for me, um, mainly because I was so focused on something else that day. When my period actually came, I'll deal with that later. Um, kind of thing so it sounds really silly I've been telling loads of people this recently and everyone always really shows my age as well uh, but 101 Dalmatians had come out at the cinema <laughs> and <laughs> me and my mum had this thing because um, I have older brothers and sisters but I'm kind of just always missed out on the stuff that they were old enough to do so when they were just old enough I was still too young so it was like New Year's Eve I think it was and everybody was out you know doing their thing with their friends um so my mom was like okay cool we'll, we'll go to the cinema I said and I'd been so excited about the fact I love cinema I've always had but just so excited about the fact I was going to the cinema I was like you know all day I was obsessed about it and then just before about to leave I quickly popped to the loo and then my period had started and I was like oh okay no problem so I, I got a pad because I shared a bathroom with two of my sisters just got one of their you know pads popped it in didn't say where's my mum because I was like I want to go watch this film and I know if I tell my mum she's gonna make a big deal out of it and we might not be able to go to the cinema so I just completely didn't say anything and just kind of carried on as per I remember having just terrible cramps in the cinema but really focusing on the fact that I wanted to see this film which wasn't even that good anyway but um and it wasn't until yeah it wasn't until like months later that my mum found out that I'd actually started my period and I remember she was just like oh wait what oh my god and she felt so shocked that I hadn't said anything and I mean I was typical typical young girls like oh yeah mum like it's no big deal get with it like whatever Um, and that was that was pretty much it that was pretty much how I started yeah why did you wait so long to tell your mum? I think, to be honest, I gen- at the time, I generally didn't think it was that big a deal. Um, I don't know why. Maybe because being with my older sisters all the time, I just knew it was going to come at some point. And also, yeah, actually... <laughs> I also remember when I did have the conversation with my mum and she was like, oh my God, you know, you're now a woman and all this stuff is going to happen. Do you want to talk about it? And all this, and I was like, mum, like, chill out, it's fine. And she said, I said, I don't get what the fuss is about. I got the pad, sorted it out. And I mean, what, I'm going to have to do this like once a year or something? <laughs> she was like, <laughs> what do you mean once a year? And I was like, no, you know, like, period like once a year or I don't know, once every six months. She was like, no, no, this happens. This happens monthly. And then I was like, wait, what? <laughs> she was like, yeah. And I was like, to everyone? Said, yeah. I was like, and everyone knows this. <laughs> she said, yes. <laughs> for how long? And my mom was like, well, you know, for like pretty much most of your most of your life. And I was like, what? <laughs> and then I remember being like, wow, this sucks. <laughs> and then, but again, you're kind of getting, because at the beginning, your periods are so irregular, right? So they're irregular, so you don't really you know put it on it's only when okay yeah this is really rubbish now um so yeah I think I, I was just a bit like well it's no big deal whatever and then yeah very much realized it's a, a pretty important part of your life once a month for the rest of your life and, and are your are your sisters older or yeah. or younger yeah, so I'm the youngest, yeah and 
it part of your your confidence around your first period do you think it was also because your you had seen what your sisters had been doing so so no I hadn't me, me and my sisters were actually talking about this the other day and um I hadn't actually seen what they were doing there was no talk there was no chat um I remember one time being at the dinner table and my sister, uh, you know, mouthing off to my mum a little bit. And my mum was just like, hey, just because you're in your period doesn't mean you can be a B. Um, <laughs> and I remember the whole thing being like, oh, you know, really. um, no, I have no idea why I didn't think. I mean, we're all, we're a bit of a cocky bunch, me and my sisters. You know, we're pretty confident, uh, you know, free, free black females all, all within a couple of years of each other in teenage years. Not a fun place to be for my mum, but um, <laughs> yeah, I think we're just confident about everything, to be honest. Um, and also, I think you had that feeling back then that you kind of just dealt with it. It wasn't a, let's enjoy this. This is so special. This is, it was more of a like, let's just get it done and carry on with our lives. So I think that's why I didn't think it was such a such a big deal at the time, but yeah, no, I'm not sure why why it wasn't wasn't more of a more of a thing. And when you had that conversation with your mum, and you she told you that you get your period every every month, <laughs> uh, yeah. how did you then get more education about what was what was happening yeah. to you? Well, I remember thinking, and this is probably a common theme uh, for throughout my life, but I remember thinking how how is this such a big thing and no one talks about it I remember being like really monthly and this to me sounds like this is important um but I remember being like 11 12 being like well what do I know I'm 11 or 12 um and the first thing I did was talk to my friends right so the first thing I did was like hop on my on my phone and I text um my friends being like hey have you started your period um and they're like no someone like yes um and yeah I just chatted to my friends about it and then um I I played a lot of sports I was really really into sports so um I think the people I was in teams the girls that I was with teams with and things I think I I relied more on the conversation with them because you're naturally in the changing rooms you know you you talk about your bodies quite a lot because you're you're athletes so I think it kind of more came with them and again because of that athletic nature athletes are very much like if I want my body to do something I then have to do x y and z um I have to train this way I have to eat this way so they I think athletes are just a lot more body confident because they understand what their body responds to um so I think being in that environment helped me just have more open conversations with people oh okay yeah I want to do high jump but my period suggestions <laughs> um, <laughs> people being like yeah just use tampons and I think I graduated to tampons very very quickly which I think well from the research that we've done um from the from the book that we we were looking at for young girls we we realized that actually tampons are, are not necessarily uh, such an early entry product um for for this age but for me um and and non-applicated tampons are also you know very much far down the line but for me it was like a non-applicated tampon about three or four months in uh, again because I'm just like well I need to I need to go swimming so here we go Oop, off I go do my thing so um yeah I think it was my network of friends like my, my gang of girls that I, I hung around with they were they were the definitely the ones that gave me most of the information and even products right because we've all done oh. that side shuffle of tampons yeah. <laughs> or whatever you know and uh, so yeah those those and, were my biggest inspiration probably do you think that playing sport you said playing sports have made you more confident and athletes or mm-hmm. female athletes are generally more confident. Do you think that that had, and did it have any effect on your, on your period? Um, yeah. So I think probably that's why for a while they were maybe not as, um, probably not as disruptive, I think to my everyday because I think I had other things I was focusing on and like so cramps for example um you know a lot of people have really bad cramps and things like that but I had bad cramps but then I also had really bad muscle pain in general um from playing sport like every single day so I think I just kind of lumped it all in together versus you know really focusing which I in hindsight I wish I hadn't 
done that I wish I'd like focused on it more but in my mind I was like yeah your body hurts that's just how it is and that's you're an athlete and suck it up and get on with it um but yeah I definitely think I had a lot of girls that were in my um kind of circle of of athletes and funnily enough actually and I'm not sure if this is a thing but um none of my black girlfriends complained about it but then I do remember there was a lot of um, of my white girlfriends or my Caucasian friends. They, yeah, they would have like debilitating cramps that they couldn't even come into school or, you know, it was really, really bad. And I just, I do actually remember thinking like, why doesn't it affect me and, you know, my black girlfriends? Like, why doesn't it affect this group of girls? But it does affect that. I, don't, I mean, I can't really explain it um, then, but um, they were, we were all athletes. And do you think that you're, black girlfriends they had them but they just didn't talk about them they didn't complain yeah I think so I think um I mean because we I've grown up with these girls and we definitely talk about it now and we definitely complain about it now um but yeah I, I, to be honest I think there was a maybe in our culture there was more of a um kind of the things that you don't really talk about or mm. I think we're black females are kind of given this you know you're a strong you're a strong black female you're a strong black woman you know so I think that's kind of rammed down our throats a bit more and we aspire to be like that you know I know I aspire to be like my sisters who you know are badass very strong um physically and emotionally um so I think yeah I think that definitely had an impact um and also I think you know we just had other things probably more important to talk about (laughs) Uh, yeah I I don't remember any of my of my friends having a day off because it was that bad or or not not competing or not playing sport because it was that bad um so yeah and when you did you play sports all throughout school and then university yeah so I um yeah I did. I, I did sport all the way through high school. And then I um, I kind of switched over through college into more dance gymnastics style. And then at university carried on uh, the gymnastics kind of element. So it was um, at the time it was what well, it's called competitive cheerleading, but it was like the acrobatic style of it. So there was a lot of being thrown in the air and <laughs> wearing very tight spandex, that kind of stuff. And, <laughs> learning a lot of gymnastics style practice so again very physically intensive uh, which I didn't stop doing until I was probably about 24 25 um, years old so there's a lot of research that shows that uh, female athletes who do a lot of intense activity it's like um, gymnasts they have issues with missing periods did mm-hmm. you ever have that happen to so you? I didn't, no I didn't have any I didn't have any issue with missing periods. I've always been very regular, um, even when I was like trying to conceive and um, after having children, my body goes very quickly back to its kind of template of this is how we operate. Um, so, which I've been very lucky, lucky in. Um, but I probably from the age of fifteen to twenty, yeah, twenty-four, twenty-five. No, actually, probably longer than that. 28 I think I was on the pill the whole time and that essentially meant no periods to the type of pill I was on okay. and occasionally I would stop and then I would get a few periods and obviously they would come back with a vengeance and I would be like oh my god no way and I came back on the pill again. <laughs> um, so there's a large chunk of my early days where I didn't have this kind of appreciation or, or exploration of my body um in that my female health I kind of again just like oh it's something to be dealt with and oh I can have Mm. a pill that stops it completely absolutely um with hardly any education around what I was taking and really why I was taking it um and so when I got to 28 and then I stopped taking it and then I started to really get into into tune with what was going on um that's when I was starting to think about you know I was getting, I was getting married and uh, the next year and I was like, I know I'm going to want kids. I hope I can, my cycle goes back to normal. Like luckily, but you hear those stories where it can take years and years and years um, to go, to go back to normal. So yeah, unfortunately I didn't, I didn't have much of that in my younger life, but just basically because it was in my mind, periods were something to be dealt with. Periods were something just to move along. <laughs> yeah. And deal with whatever and just move along. And, and the pill for me at the time was the answer to that. 
what made you go on the pill when you were when you were 15? So I think it was one the no periods, and um, mm. that was uh, a few of my friends were like, "Yeah, I just take a pill now. I don't have periods." And I was like, "Oh, that sounds, that sounds good, um, <laughs> magical pill." But then also, I think the all around kind of, I guess it's all kind of wrapped into one. But the whole education around, you know, sex and getting pregnant and all of that kind of stuff really is rammed um, down your throat when you're, um, you know, in that age. It's like if you have sex, you will get pregnant. And again, when I was then trying to conceive, I was like, that's... <laughs> um, but if you have sex, you will get pregnant. Here is a pill. Do something. And nobody wants to be carrying around, like, you know, going in to buy condoms. was like, I'm going to swear, like, sweaty palms and, you know, asking the guy, oh, do you have a condom? Like, you know, it, all of that rhetoric and all of that, you know, narrative of, like, just being, like, ownership of your body and ownership of your sexual preferences just wasn't a thing when you were a teenager you know, later on in your life, you're like, hey, no, no blood, no love. So do one kind of thing. But when you're younger, <laughs> don't have all of that. So I think the pill was also a way of all of the kind of female health, all of the kind of female reproductive stuff pushed to the side, dealt with one pill, go about my life, which is actually quite sad when you really think about it. You've used the phrase dealt with, deal with it. Mm. You, you just needed to deal with your period. When you came off the pill when you were 28, how did you transition away from this idea of just dealing with your period? So I, I'll be very honest. It, it took me a long time um, to actually, well, actually, the reason why I came off my um, contraceptive was because I was like, I, I'm going to get married and I know I want to have kids. And my husband at the time um, was in the military. So he was in the Air Force and he moved around loads. We weren't always together. So it would be months at times. Sometimes we wouldn't see each other. So I knew it wasn't, I wanted to make sure the timing, if we decided let's go now, we could. Um, mm. Not, oh, I didn't really have that luxury of time. So it was so uncertain of what we were doing at that point. I thought, let me just take it off. And, you know, probably in the next five years or so, then my cycle will be up to normal. We can start thinking about having kids. But, Actually, the way that things in life never go, kind of goes to plan, obviously, but the way that things had kind of happened was um, my husband got shipped off to Afghanistan pretty much straight after we got married. So whilst he was away, we missed each other so much when he came back. I was like, I want to stop this now. I want to get on this baby making thing right now because we know it's going to take a while. And, you know, I miss you. I want to get on with my life. And it actually was really difficult for us. And it took uh, three miscarriages before I was able to successfully carry um my to term my daughter um Bernadette who's four now and it was at that point that was the real kind of when the penny dropped that I was like I don't understand my body and it was a real struggle for me because my as I said like I was used to being an athlete and I I knew that if I did this to my body it did this if I wanted to learn a specific skill I knew I had to practice and I would do it I would get it in the end so it was very um disturbing for me to not be in control of my body um and also to not understand it because I'm one of those people if something's going bad or someone something's wrong I'm very much like okay cool but what's the plan or how do we what's the formula <laughs> of how do we kind of deal deal with it again uh fix it or work around it how do we find a solution and um yeah and there wasn't one um and when I was talking to doctors they were like yeah well just you know sometimes it just happens and I was like what do you mean sometimes it just happens surely there's been studies surely there is data and they're like not really no <laughs> I was like what and 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 I said could the pill have contributed to this I've been on the pill for like you know however many years and he was like maybe and I was just like whoa it was a, such an eye-opening moment for me so I I basically did what every kind of mum trying to conceive does and just go like headfirst into google pinterest anything that i can find of information and i started to catalog just everything from menstrual health to you know diet and nutrition to kind of mindfulness and anxiety and stress and cortisol levels just everything and very interesting and i've never kind of looked back but that was really the moment that i realized whoa this is i'm never touching anything to put in my body ever again I will never put hormonal 
I'll just never touch hormones, <laughs> basically any kind of medical mm. hormone. Um, I did have to again then when I was pregnant, but that's a different story. But I was just like, what the hell? This is when you really read about what's in it. Um, yeah, I was. And then all, going through all of the type of things that you put into your the most absorbent part of your body. It mm. was a real mind. Um, I can't say the F word. Mind. I remember just being getting so woke about my female health and really quite annoyed at myself I think for for not it took that it took quite a horrible part of my life to actually start to listen and be interested in my own body but you know that that's quite common typically women who are trying to conceive that's a point where they come off Mm -hmm. the pill or they come off hormonal contraception and then they start to get more in tune with their natural cycle and you know what menstruation actually looks like for them what ovulation looks like so you're Mm. definitely you know not alone in this experience yeah but I want to just go back to what you're saying about all of the kind of extensive tracking that you were doing yeah how what what made you was it kind of like an iterative thing where when you would start to look at one thing and then you would keep adding yeah. things on absolutely absolutely I think um so obviously when I first started tracking uh I love and as I said I love planning I love kind of putting things together um as an athlete as well you make a lot of training plans you make a lot of that kind of stuff so to me I had like a whole like binder journal thing that I would like do and it, it kind of made me feel confident and made me feel better about myself that I was writing this stuff down I could flick for it so at first it was just periods like when when does my period happen like that was kind of it period and then I was more reading and it was like okay what's what's the temperature well, what's your temperature changes and I was like oh temperature changing okay that sounds it was pretty militant every day taking your temperature but then I was, that, I was like cervical mucus I was just like first of all that's a terrible word Obviously, man came up with that because <laughs> no one was, of course, cervical mucus. I was like, sure. all right, cool, I'm going to have a look at that. And then it was like, oh, this is my day of ovulation. Okay, this is where I'm at in my cycle. And actually, it was only, it was a means to get pregnant as well. It wasn't a, because I was interested in it. It was, this is a means to get pregnant. And uh, and then I had all my, um, I had medical assistance to get pregnant. And then I had to take hormones and things like that because they, that's what the doctors advised again probably not something I would do again but that was something that um, and then that kind of threw my cycle out of whack and it was only because I'd been tracking it and then when I took the um the I had to take quite a few different drugs but when I took it I really started to see how my body then went completely out of whack and so then when I had these mood swings and when I was having like hormonal breakouts and all this kind of stuff I really did start to connect the dots as to oh this is what's happening here. Okay. And I could say to my doctor, no, this is throwing me out of whack. I know this because every month, like clockwork, this is what happens. And I've missed this point. Um, and I even remember taking my little scrapbook in and being like, look, <laughs> you can see <laughs> what's happening. Um, and so again, it was a means to an end to get pregnant. But then when I was pregnant and then I did have my daughter um, afterwards, then there's a whole other kind of stuff of like, oh my God, nobody tells you about all the other stuff that comes after pregnancy and having children and just how your body react, like reacts. And just that's a, it's a whole other podcast. <laughs> so, but <laughs> to me, all I wanted to do was get back to normal. So then I really started to more appreciate what that looked like in terms of how do I get back to being me? Um, how do I get back to being pre-mum me? which never really happens, but in my mind, that's what I was thinking. And and my cycle was a massive part of that. So it was a huge indicator of, yes, your body is now back on track. It's not just thinking you're here to feed and host um, another being. Um, and that's when I started to read more about um, just the cycle, just just to kind of exist, not, not for a goal, not for anything else, just to generally know what the like for me and how does that kind of affect everything else I'm doing? That's really was the kind of, I'd say the second inflection point um, for me, um, kind of getting, getting into it. And all of the, all of the information and the tracking that you've done, have you, I know you you have um, a younger child. Have you, did you take that into 
trying to conceive your next child? Uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, it was very much. I knew that so for my second child, the kind of goal was I would love to not have to have the medical assistance. Um, I knew there was loads of things that um, linked with diet and things like that that really, really helped me the first time round. So about six months before I was even thinking of um, conceiving, I was like, I want, I need to get my diet in check. Mm. Um, and the diet I was doing uh, was a, a low sugar diet because um, I had a lot of inflammation. Um, again, I think from doing a lot of athletics and things, um, and a lot of inflammation in the body. And so reducing my sugar really helped just tons of things. And, but then I really, I noticed again, I was, I was removing all this sugar and then I actually started to lose a lot of weight and I think I got down to like the lowest I've ever probably been like in my adult life just from just removing sugar not from really doing exercise or anything like that but just from removing sugar and then my period stopped okay and I was loving this diet I was on and it was giving me so much energy and like I looked great I was putting into my clothes you know it was cool and then my period stopped and I was like whoa I got stuck this is messing with my body um, and so then I started kind of easing up into uh, when my periods then started to come back again. I was like, okay, cool. This is my, um, my equilibrium. But again, that's like a whole new like view on food and what that can do and how that connects. Um, so, so I did take that into account and, and I didn't need the medical assistance to the same degree to, to get pregnant. I did need it late, much, much later on in the pregnancy towards the end. But right at the beginning, it was, we actually got preg pregnant accidentally. We were actually like, okay, cool. We'll, get, you know, we'll have a baby. We'll start at Christmas. I ended up having my baby at Christmas. <laughs> but it was like, <laughs> we'll start at Christmas and this was the plan or whatever. And it just happened. And again, I do put it down to the fact that one, I, I'd had a test run before and I knew <laughs> what I was kind of doing this time. But also I was just so hyper aware of everything that my body was doing and not doing um and then like adding that extra layer of nutrition onto and the tracking of what I was eating so there was a lot of tracking going on <laughs> but that really did then help me find my my natural groove I think when you say that you lost your period because you had cut out sugar was it just um like um sugar added sugars into food or was it carbohydrates as well yeah carbohydrates as well so it was first it was like sugars into food uh, it was kind of like a process of elimination so I was having blood tests done as I was cutting things out and kind of we, we didn't really know what we were gonna what it was gonna end up looking like but um the nutritionist I was I'd spoken to was just like the best thing to do is just start by process of elimination and first it was like gluten which I was like <laughs> so I was like what is gluten <laughs> And I found out, I was like, oh, it's everything. What? I'm <laughs> 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 um, Nigerian, what are you doing? <laughs> um, but yeah, it was gluten. That didn't really have an effect. So I got the gluten back, which is brilliant. <laughs> and, then, um, and then, yeah, it was like sugars and then it was carbohydrates. And then when it was with the sugars, I saw, um, I did see like a little step uh, of, uh, there was like a reduction um, in my um T cells, how they reacted, and uh, they just started to get a little bit less aggressive. And um, so I had a lot of them, and they were very aggressive. And then when I took some of the sugar down, they kind of chilled a little bit. Um, and then when I took out the carbs, they pretty much the numbers of them dropped, and they just completely relaxed. So the levels of inflammation in my body started to kind of drop the more mm. I eliminated all these different things. And um, but then yeah, like I was, and also brain fog completely disappeared um, when I got rid of sugar because I really suffered from that post my first uh, baby, like brain fog, I would be talking and all of a sudden, it just was like, what was I saying? Like completely. And like two years later, I was still doing it. So it was a, you know, a really weird moment for me, but then the really getting rid of the sugars and stuff really, really helped. But then, yeah, I was eliminating, eliminating, eliminating. Then I knew I'd gone too far when mm. my period started to go very light at first and then a little bit erratic and then just, it was like two months. I actually thought I was pregnant. I was like, oh my God, wait, where, where, what's going on? And I obviously wasn't pregnant. And then I was like, mm, okay, let me just, and I've lost a lot of weight. Let me just put, try and put some weight back on and mm. see if they come back. And they did, um, which 
<laughs> what you're saying is so interesting because you know there is a real as uh, as around with women there's a real fear of carbohydrates and mm-hmm. i hear this a lot you know if i just cut out carbs i uh, i'll lose weight and this and that but then what a lot of people don't realize is like how, how important carbohydrates are for yeah. our menstruation and our a healthy mm-hmm. menstrual cycle. So yeah. it's really interesting because a lot of the research around this is actually been done on men. And so things like no carb diets and also like intermittent fasting, the studies are typically focused on men and not but have not been done on women because they researchers say, well, it's too, it's too complicated. complicated. Yeah. 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 So we Mm. see lots of things saying, Oh, well, the research shows that low carb diets are great, but that research is on men. So yeah. um, yeah. 45, 35 to 45 white male. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So how long did it take you to get your period back? It didn't take me that long, actually. Uh, it took me probably about two months or so, I'd say, because um, I remember being really worried that I'd done some lasting damage. I remember being like, oh, God. Um, but luckily, um, it took not that – I think because I wasn't training at that point in my life, um, and I was exhausted because I had a, a three-year-old. <laughs> um, but it didn't take that long, and I, I knew which dial to kind of – amp up um mm. and I did it very I did it very gradually I didn't just switch because I knew that would throw my body into craziness as well so I did it very gradually bit by bit so I think uh, that helped um, but yeah it took a couple of months but I was pretty um I think I was probably about four months four weeks in before I realized and then so all in all I'd say I had a, probably a gap of about three months of no period okay and Thinking about all the tracking that you've done through your first and second pregnancy, did that feed into the idea that you had for the journal that you've? Oh yeah, massively. Yeah. Um, So when my niece, um, so the whole, the whole uh, go ahead, the story all came about because my niece started her period when she was nine and uh, my niece is very different. So you remember I was talking about that confidence um, that, I had have um, when I was younger um, with my sisters. You know, we still have that. If anything, it's been turbo boosted as we've you know, got older. And my niece is very not much not like that. Um, she is not yet <laughs> a force. She isn't like you know kicking your ass and on your case and you know which me and my sisters definitely were and are. But so for me. As her auntie, I really wanted to connect with her. Anyway, just in general, I want to connect with her and I want to be like, I want her to feel that kind of like sisterhood that I found. She, she doesn't have any sisters. And um, it's always been very, not difficult to reach her, but it has been like, how do I, you know, how do I kind of get in there about being like, you know, not cool or, or embarrassing? And I never had this problem with my nephew. You know, he's just like, this is fine. But with my niece, it's always that bit awkward. So when my sister messaged us and said, sisters has happened I was like well she's not pregnant because there would be a national manhunt if (laughs) (laughs) and I said what she started her period and she said yeah and we were like oh my god because we knew it was coming we could see me and my sisters we could start to see the changes in her but even then we were like yeah we've got a year or so so I knew she likes she loves drawing she loves journaling she loves um like anime um and I love that when I was younger. I love the drawing and the doodling and you know, making characters and all this kind of stuff. And I also really love uh, now, um, you know, the kind of mindfulness coloring that you can do and, and bullet journaling and that kind of stuff. So that's really where um, girlhood came from because I thought, what if I could try and make something for my niece that kind of doesn't feel like it is a, hey, here's a book on periods. And like, ah. <laughs> like, we all got that book when we were younger. It was like 70s style illustrations, like full on frontal nudity. And you're like, oh my God, I don't want this. <laughs> it's offending my eyes. Um, and I didn't want that. I wanted to give her something, but she was like, oh, this is kind of mine. It's half journal, half education. 
Um, and that's how we talk about it, part journal, part guide. And in there, the first thing we start with the trackers is there is a period tracker in there that you can color in. Um, and again, just by the habit of coloring in, you start to see the shape. You start to see more visually what's happening. I think and not everybody is um, like a data head and not everybody is kind of doesn't lean to technology. And even on the period apps, I have a lot of period um, apps that I've used and they've always been lacking that certain realness to me it kind of again feels like I'm just dealing with it. I'm just putting it into an app and I'm dealing with it. I'm not really exploring what's happening so the we started we have this mood um, period tracker but really the emphasis in the book actually is the mood trackers that are there every month because that to me is really the hormone signal um when you're a teenager, those mood swings are so much more, if anything, I had more problems dealing with my mood swings than I did with my period. My period was like, okay, well, you bleed, here's a product, there you go, take some painkillers, moods. There was there was no, <laughs> no product for, for that. And that probably more shaped my relationship with my body, with my self-esteem, with my confidence, which in turn then kind of knocks onto how I look at my, my female anatomy, and how I look at everything to do with um, being being a woman. So really for us, the mood tracker was something we wanted to add as much opportunity to colour um, and see a, a pattern that is you know, kind of aesthetically pleasing, but also feels like you've accomplished something when you're colouring it in. Um, and that's then that's so the mood tracker actually is the more of the focus and the period tracker is kind of like a, a you know, a, an add-on to the book it's in there but the focus really is the mood tracker because that will that will happen for months and months and months before your period actually starts and um, and we wanted I think the best way to say it is like when you talk to everyone and I'm sure you have like spoke to so many people about their first period it's very rare that I hear somebody say they were prepared for it mm. um, and that it didn't just happen to them and most people's first period stories are absolutely hilarious. Like I've listened, I don't even know how many because Girl the Story has loads of them included. Um, some really cool women have put into there, but we talk to a lot of people about their periods. I'm known now as the period, the period lady because I just, <laughs> oh, what happened. Um, and they're always hilarious, but at the time they're pretty much mortifying or embarrassing. Um, and that's usually because they were unprepared or they hadn't noticed what was like they were prepared for it but they hadn't really noticed what their body was doing to go mm, something's about to happen oh here we are great and what we wanted was a journal that essentially somebody could give their daughter sister niece friend before the period begins so that by the period by the time the period starts they can start to see I think I'm going to start my period soon and then when I do I know all of this stuff already and I know where to go. Like there's even a page in there about all the different period products, cups, pants, pads, tampons, because again, you just, I don't want, didn't want my niece to just deal with it. And again, talking about period products, one of the most, one of the most hardest things to talk about periods is that you have to stick something in your vagina, mm. like, that, like, or, or, or in your pants. Yeah. Uh, talk about blood and that's a lot of where the friction comes from about having those open conversations because a lot of people can't even say the word vagina they don't know the difference between vagina and vulva like all of that kind of stuff and so we wanted to shove that in the book so it was just like it's there so my niece might well now my niece doesn't use period she, she's period pants and she knows cool on my period I use these pants when I'm not on my period I use these pants and how easy is that compared to mm conversation you have with your parents where they're like well this goes here and if you pick the leg up like this no it won't fall out and no it won't you know all of that kind of stuff it's just a lot more easier so we yeah the tracking element really does guide through the book but it's wrapped in all of this kind of um coloring and stories from other people and places for them to jot down their own story at the book it ends with what's your story so they can remember it and maybe even show it to their daughters when it's full um or friends or whatever so yeah that um, the tracking element they'll probably graduate to an app as well which would be brilliant um but knowing a bit more about themselves before because you know you put in a lot of data into those apps and you don't really get much back mm. apart from yes it's on Thursday <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> 
that's all you really get. You're like, okay, yeah. great, that's good handy thing. I I uh, I use an app, my Apple Watch, to track my menstrual cycle, mm-hmm. and I got a notification that said your period is due in the next ten days, and I just thought, like, how is that helpful? Yeah. You know? Oh, okay. well, we on alert then. Thanks for ten yeah. days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in the future yeah yeah so where can, yeah, where can people find the journal if they want if they listen to this and they've really connected with what it's all about where can yeah. they buy a journal so um listeners can't see this right now but i'm currently uh in the, the hood hq which is at the top of my house and i'm surrounded by uh journals and books because they all arrived yesterday so we actually did a kickstarter campaign to um kick off this kick off actually the the girlhood journal because we um made one for my my niece right but then lots of people were like, i want one of these i want one of these um so then we were like okay well let's do a big order and we'll just do a kickstarter and we'll do and that arrived uh, yesterday which was fun for me <laughs> so now um, you can go to wearethehood.com uh, and on there there is um the ability to buy the book um mm. it was pre-orders but now as of um well, as of next week, it will be that you can order it and get it like within a few days. Um, we'll also be listing it on Amazon soon. Um, now that that'll be going off to the fulfillment center soon. Um, but also on uh, wearethehood.com, you can download. There's two downloads. One is the book as a download, just if you want to, because a lot of people have um, their own binders and stickers and wasabi tape, and they like to customize things a lot. Um, and it's also a lot more affordable, the, the printable mm. one. And um, so the actual journal itself is £20. We're trying our best to get that lower, but obviously we can only do that when we have volume coming in so that we can, um, our, our aim is to get it as low as we can. But it's a leather bound, comes in three colours, um, really lovely silk coated pages because we wanted this to be a special um, gift, not yeah. here's a textbook <laughs> on like, <you> know, <laughs> horrible brown paper we wanted it to be really lovely but we did understand that there are there are people who like my mom had three dollars she's not about to work out uh 60 quid um <laughs> on on journals so we said okay well here's the the five pound option and also it gives more people the chance to customize add in things that they want and then also we have a free downloadable which is just a period tracker so you can kind of get a, a taste of what that looks like um it doesn't come with the stories or anything like that it's just like a one you can print out on an a4 um and start to play with which we've had over 500 people um download the free tracker um, and about half of them have gone on to either buy the digital download or the book um which has been brilliant but it's a great way to kind of start the conversation with your um, daughter or niece or whoever and say hey would this be interesting is this cool without you know giving them a full journal and they're like no thanks um, so that's all available on uh, wearethehood.com um it's the only product that we have on the site so it's pretty pretty easy to find but should be available soon on Amazon as well and and i'll put all the links in the in the show notes um so if if listeners take one thing away from everything that you've been saying, what would you want that to be? I think, um, I think the biggest journey for me, having gone through this all uh, myself, but then re- reliving this when when building the journey journal with my co-founder Ramona and the team, very much is. I mean, education is power. Um, it's not covered off in our curriculum, so we shouldn't rely on schools and teachers to have this conversation um and i think from a young age if we can about what's going on with our bodies not just from a biology lesson or whatever you know but from female health if we can start to install that hey this is the kind of the way that you can self-learn self-teach so it's naturally embedded in all of us to want to know more about our bodies and want to know more and take ownership of it. I don't think it's about us sitting down and saying, okay, I'm going to give you a lesson now on this is how it is. I think we should empower all women to want to know. It should almost be a, you know, as cool as knowing, 
you know a different language or as cool as it should be like yeah i know don't you know like what the hell's going on and um, i really think that's how we change the the narrative change the stigma mm. around a, a lot of female health issues um but or normal not even issues for female health like <laughs> yeah. normal, normality but i think just having that knowledge if they haven't read uh, a lot of people will be a bit too old uh, for girlhood now it's kind of aimed more at the preteen market but a book i would like really recommend and i'm sure you've probably covered this many times is period power by Maisie hill and um, mm. like it's like my go-to i have like a whole lit i have a whole bookshelf of go-to books for females that i like mm. i'm always it's like just a race book. um like it's like becoming by michelle obama period power by Maisie hill they're like all these and that one is really good because it's again it really does put you back into your shoes when you were younger and your whole life going, whoa, that's why. Or, oh, I never thought. And it really does help you to then get that hunger to go, I want to know more about this. And I'm not going to accept anything less than this, this and this. So self, you know, empowering yourself, young girls to want to learn about their female health is probably the first step or the most important step I think in really making progress in this area and really starting to um, just build a, a more confident, more um, happier generation of, of women. Mm. So get a book, any book <laughs> <laughs> and uh, start, start reading and start, start learning. I would say, I guess if they're already listening to this podcast, they're already on that journey. But yeah, there's a lot of women listening that are mothers or have sisters or nieces and all of that. So everything you're saying about education and empowerment, they'll be able to pass that on to the yeah. younger generation. Yeah. Um, thank you so oh. much. Oh, okay. Sorry, before just before we go, I just remembered this. Um, actually, so we had a load of teachers downloading our resources um, this summer and I reached out to one of them and I said, hey, you've got a book, you've downloaded the digital version and you've you know, downloaded the free planner. I noticed you're at this school. I'd love to have feedback. We're trying to you know, make some more resources for you guys. And she came back with really inf useful information I did not, I was not aware of. She said, actually, yeah, we're looking to put this on the curriculum next term because in PSHE, it's only, PSHE has only just started to be mandatory in all schools as of this term which I wasn't aware of. I thought everybody had to do PSHE. Um, and she said, and even then, the female health topics, you can choose what you teach. So, which I didn't know that either. I thought there was like a curricula, a set curriculum that you had to teach and that you had to teach PSHE. So it, even more so, I was just like, whoa. So a lot of parents, I think, assume this stuff is covered off in class. And it's really important when you're talking to your teachers or when you're looking at schools for your kids and things like that, ask them if, you know, if you want to like ask them, is this covered off? Because if it isn't, then that's on you to really get out there and, and make sure they have it. And if it is, have a look at what they're, they're teaching, because that really that moment is very hard to undo and um, to have a look at the resources we had. There was a mum's group on WhatsApp that someone shared our book there. And all 50 of the mums bought the book. And they all bought the book because they were like, I know, I'm, I'm taking this into my own hands. I'm not leaving this up. They do not teach this in our school. So here we go. And they all just was like, boom, done. And that was so empowering and so cool for me to see these these mothers just, just taking it into their own hands and, and being like, we are not leaving this up to anybody else um, to educate our daughters on this topic because it's so important. So it's, yeah, I think... If you come across that, really, it's something that needs to be addressed, that this absolutely should be taught. There's no reason why this shouldn't be taught in biology. There's no reason why this shouldn't be taught um, in PSHE. And there should be a you know a really good framework of, of what's put into schools on this. So that's just the other thing that I, I learned that I think I learned it like about a month ago, which completely just I thought I knew everything. And then I was like, what? Mm. Again, so that's just something to for all the mums out there. Yeah, I didn't. I thought that it was mandatory as well. So that yeah. is um, that is very eye opening. And I think that I don't think that parents should be leaving this to the schools. And that I mean, that's a whole other topic about the taboos around this. But having a conversation early and often, so your mm -hmm. children, even your 
your sons as well because they need to know know about this. Yeah. I talk to my sons about my son about this because um, they need to be comfortable and they need it. It's about helps them connect with their own their own yeah. bodies. Um, and my so, my husband, he's been a he's been going for the book. I mean, he's been surrounded by period stuff now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but actually, Shauna's dad had an amazing relationship with her around when she started her first period, and he was actually the one that was showing her the products and like as well as my sister he was there too and I think that also kind of made a big difference for her but we've had a lot of dads buy the book as well because they're like this is a great I have no idea how to just start the conversation mm-hmm. um, this is just a great way to just give it to them and say hey I thought you might like this and by the way I'm here if you want to talk about this kind of thing um, or I noticed da, 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 da. Um, and so we've had such a great uh, response from dads as well because it's just a, a nice um, easy and you know just lovely way to start that relationship off with your daughter who's all of a sudden become, become you know into their teens and you know not want to talk to you very much <laughs> it's kind yeah. Of um, yeah it's kind of like a good tool to start the conversation I would say yeah brilliant I well I definitely will be recommending it to all my friends so thank you so much you. for coming on the show it's been a real pleasure to hear your story and hear more about the journal um I will put all the links in the show notes so listeners can find out more about where to get their hands on the journal. So thanks again. Thank you very much for having me. It's been great. For more inspiring conversations, head over to periodstorypod.com where we have so many more for you to peruse. If you want help with your menstrual or hormone health, email me on hello at eatlovemove.com to set up a free 30-minute hormone health review. If you like today's show, please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Tag us, come say hi, and send in your requests for who you'd like to see on the show on Instagram and Twitter on at periodstorypod or email us at hello at periodstorypod.com. I'm Lenise Brothers, and you've been listening to Period Story. Thank you so much for listening.